Um, now, let me take another two minutes here and just tell you uh, something that's, that's going on. It's kind of crazy. Uh, how many of you were here last Sunday? How many of you were in service last Sunday? Just raise your hand. What a glorious time we had last week in the presence of the Lord. And, and um, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with what, with what transpires in me on moments like last uh, Sunday. And I, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek a little bit because actually I love everything that God does in and through our lives. But, but uh, I, had a, I had a message prepared for last Sunday. And during the worship service, during our praise time, uh, the Lord just began to, to, to shift that and, and, and say, that's not where I want you to go. And without any preparation, without any notes or anything, he led me to a particular text. And I felt like that's what the Lord had for us. And after hearing some reports, I felt like that was exactly what God wanted to speak into some people's lives. And then, uh, wouldn't you know that, um, that this past week and leading up till even last night, putting the finishes touches <laughs> On a, on a message that I had prepared. I thought that maybe I could just use last week's message, you know, that I didn't preach and preach it. And not only did I not get to do that, I prepared another message. And then not only that, but about 3.30 this morning. So, so I, I, for my sake, I hope this is the last week this happens. But just because it's, it's very nerve-wracking. But about 3.30 this morning, I woke up out of a dead sleep. And the Lord began to speak some things to me that I've shared before. But uh, And so now there's two messages waiting in the wing that we're going to get at some point. We're going to get to those two sermons at some point. But today, thankfully today, I had a little time to type something up and give some scriptures to Tommy before I got up here. But uh, but I would ask you to open your hearts today because I feel like this is a word from the Lord. Uh, because I don't have everything typed out exactly the way I like to say it sometimes. I may stutter over something or I may uh, say something I shouldn't say. Uh, and and but, but see past that and, and just hear the word from the Lord today. How many of you know that Jesus, Jesus was very intentional? Jesus didn't do anything by accident. Everything Jesus did during his ministry here on earth and everything that God does in our lives, it is all intentional. It all has its very own purpose, if you will. Jesus was very intentional. In fact, so many times in Jesus's ministry, though we never put God in a formula, he's he, he's not a God of formulas of saying, uh, if you do this, then I'll do that. And, 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 and you got to find the magic uh, potion. You got to find the magic formula somewhere. And if you ever figure it out, then I'm going to work in your life. God doesn't work that way. He is a he is a loving God and a caring God. And he longs to do for us. So he's not a God of formulas. But I do see many times an intentional pattern with the Lord. There's a pattern. This is, this is a thought that I've shared a few times. I just thought I would expound a little bit more on it. This is a thought that I've shared several times before, especially on a day, maybe like a consecration service, whenever we were, when we were getting ready to receive the Lord's Supper and receive the, 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 the bread and the wine and the body of Christ and, and, and the blood of the Lord. And, and, and this is something I've shared in those moments. But, but, but I realized as I looked at these scriptures that we're going to look at in just a moment that that Jesus was very intentional. And, and that just may be the word for some people in this room today, that, that whatever's going on in your life today, whatever thing that feels like it's coming apart at the seams, that, that thing or that issue that, that you feel like you're never going to be able to overcome or you're never going to see the victory in this situation, and maybe you're in the darkest hour of that situation right now, I want to remind you that your God has not forsaken you and he's not left you and he is more present with you now than he ever has been. And everything that he's doing, he is doing intentionally 
in your life, even the things that he's allowing to take place in your life. You say, well, I'm going through a really bad thing. God can't be anywhere in this. I want to tell you something. God works all things together for good in our life. He's very intentional. Nothing ever, can I just say this? Nothing ever dawned on God. (laughs) Nothing ever just came to his mind. Oh, I didn't think about that. Whoa, that one caught me off guard. That doesn't happen with the Lord. In Luke chapter 9, we find the account, one of the accounts of the feeding of the 5,000. Many say that it was really more like 20,000 when you include uh, women and children. And, and on that particular day, on that hillside, in that deserted area, the hour is getting late. And, and the disciples, they approach Jesus and they tell him that he needs to send the people away. Send them to the nearest town where they can, they can find lodging and, and, uh, and they can find food. Uh, to nourish their bodies because it's a deserted place and it's getting late. And Jesus tells them, he tells the disciples, he says, you get them something to eat. You, you feed them. And they're looking at each other and they're looking at him and saying, what are we supposed to do? Are we just supposed to say poof and, and, and food show up? I do love this aspect about the disciples, though. I, I love this because you see a little, a little glimpse of faith in their lives because most of us, most of us, when Jesus says, feed them, and I'm sitting here, and all I have is are, are two fish and five loaves, and I'm looking at 20,000 people, I don't even acknowledge the two fish and five loaves. I already know that ain't going past me, much less another 10 or 20 or 20,000 people. But I love that the disciples, we think of them as people with no faith, but at least they saw the seed. And they saw the possibility. And they saw the, the fact that, you know what, we serve a God who's able to take little things and turn them into big things. At least they saw the possibility. And they said, we don't have anything. We've only come up with these five loaves and two fish. So here's what Jesus says in the 16th verse of Luke 9. Listen very carefully to the words in this text. It says, then he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the multitude. Tommy, will you leave that scripture? Is it up there? Would you leave that scripture up there for a minute or put it up there for a minute? Luke chapter 9, verse 16. We... Uh, I tell you what, I'll read it one more time. There we go, there we go, there we go. Look, I, there's, there's a few words I want you to, to really uh, hone in on this morning, if you will. The first word is took. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, here's the second word, he blessed, blessed. And then the third word, and he broke, he broke them. And in the fourth fourth word, he gave them to the disciples. On that day, Jesus fed thousands from those five loaves and two fish. And yet, after he had fed all of those thousands of people, there were still 12 basketfuls left over that they picked up, the remnants, the leftovers. What an incredible, miraculous, creative miracle of Jesus There are four words, those four words that I want us to to stay focused on and and look at today. The first word that stands out is the fact that Jesus, he took the five loaves and the two fish. He took it. He, 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 He had a purpose for it. He took it. We often only want to think of Jesus 
as the giver. Because we know that he is benevolent and he is the giver of all good things in our life. It's only in him to do and to give and to, and, and, and to, and to make in our lives. But, but we oftentimes want to forget the fact that not only is he the God who gives, but he's also from time to time, he has to be. He has to be from time to time the God who also takes away. There was a message I preached several years ago and it was simply entitled that, The God Who Takes Away. We don't like to talk about that aspect of God. We don't like to talk about that element of God. We want to talk about blessings coming. We want to talk about all the fun and the good things and the, all the natural blessings. And we, we love to talk about all that, but none of us like to talk about the moments when some, when some things need to be taken from us. I'm thankful for those moments in my life. There's some things that have been taken away from me, and I thank God for it. We saw it best in the life of Job. In fact, he was our main character in that particular, in that particular uh, message that we preached where that, where that he not only was the, he not only, not only experienced the, the God who gives, and he did experience the God who gives in a miraculous and an incredible and a supernatural way. Uh, when, the, when the story ends in chapter 42 of Job, we see that everything that was taken away from Job was restored to him two times over. I'm going to tell you something. God never takes anything away where he doesn't give so much more in return. His takeaway is never to hurt us. His takeaway is always to bless us. It's always to pour back more back into our lives. And just like with the feeding of the 5,000 that day, when Jesus took the two fish and the five loaves, when he was done, he gave back so much more than he took. And so he took it. And he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it. That was the pattern. That's how intentional Jesus was on that hillside that day. As he took that little bitty small thing that the disciples brought, that just that seed of faith in their life, and he took that. It was surrendered to him, and then Jesus blessed it, and then he broke it, and then he gave it. And when Jesus gives something, it always multiplies. It's always more than what it started out to be. But it doesn't end there. This isn't the only time that we see this pattern in Jesus' ministry. In Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus is beginning to implement the Lord's Supper, the, as we often refer to it, the Last Supper. The, he and the disciples are in the upper room, and, and he's getting ready to, to, to uh, they're beginning to eat the last meal together uh, here on earth. And, 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 and he begins to implement this thing that we call, we now call it communion. We call it the Lord's Supper. And in Matthew 26, verse 26, it says, and as they were eating, listen to this, listen to the pattern. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed the bread, and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Does that sound familiar? Did we hear that pattern somewhere before? Did, did we not see Jesus working in that same way somewhere else? Taking something, blessing it, breaking it, and giving it? He takes the bread, and he blesses the bread, and he, he breaks the bread, and he gives the bread. And as if that's not enough. As if that's not enough to show that Jesus had somewhat of a pattern here. Especially when it came to food, for some reason. There was a pattern. As if that's not enough, we look 
at the two travelers on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. I, I love this story uh, for, for many reasons. This is, this is after the resurrection and, and, and there's a lot of confusion going on among the believers and, and the followers of Christ. But what I love about this story is that it shows us another side of Jesus that we really hadn't seen up to this point. I've already picked on Paul Hutto one time today, but I'm going to pick on him again and John Tucker. This story here reminds me that, that he's, God has put a little bit of him in us. Because I see, I see a little bit of Paul Hutto and I see a little bit of John Tucker in the, in, in the life of Jesus in this particular story. Here's where I'm going with this. Jesus was a little bit of a practical jokester. He was. He was. Jesus was a prankster. He was. He would like to try to lead you. To, he would just take you out there and lead you out there to the end of a limb sometime just to see if you're going to fall. Sometimes just to be fun. He wasn't going to hurt anybody, but he just wanted to have a little fun with you every now and then. Maybe make you laugh a little bit. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing in this story. In this story, what happens is it's, it's post-resurrection. The, 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 the ladies, the women, and, and Peter, they've all come to the tomb and found the tomb, uh, the, 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 the stone rolled away and the tomb is empty. And, 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 and this begins the story of the resurrection. And they've come back and they've reported it to the others. And no one really knows what to do with this information. See, today, now, you and I, we're going to, in a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be a day of celebration. It's going to be a, a fun time of laughter and joy and all of this as we, because we know the rest of the story. But on that day, in that time, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a time to celebrate. They were confused. There was a lot of confusion. Nobody knew what was going on. They were probably more disappointed now, even than they were before everything happened. They were disappointed. They were confused at this point. And these two travelers, they're on their way to Emmaus. They're on their way back home. All their hopes have been, have been shattered. And they, they're just walking along and then Jesus comes walking up beside them. This is what I'm saying. This is the prankster in Jesus, if you will. They're just walking along. They're all, they're all heavy hearted and disappointed. And Jesus comes walking up beside them. He's about to play a practical joke on them is what he's going to do. They've been discussing the events of the day. They're heavy hearted. And then Jesus, this stranger to them, they don't recognize or they don't recognize that it's Jesus. They don't know that it's him. And he walks up beside them. And as they're talking, as they're kind of complaining, as they're just broken hearted and sad and crying on one another's shoulder, Jesus walks up to them and he says, what are you talking about? What's this thing you're talking about? What's, what's the news of the day, if you will? And they respond to him like he's crazy. They say, have you not heard? In verse 18, he says, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Uh, uh, you don't know what all has happened there? Uh, have you not looked at the newspaper? Do you not realize that, 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 that things are, what, what all is going on? And Jesus says, what things? What things? And then they begin to tell him what all that happened. They were telling him about this Jesus who, who was a prophet and he was mighty in word and deed before God and all the people. How that the chief priests and the rulers, they delivered him uh, to be condemned to death and then ultimately crucified. And, and I love what follows after that in verse 21. And these guys said this to Jesus. This is what they said to him. They said, but we were hoping. But we were hoping. I wonder if any of us have ever been guilty of saying that. Things didn't go the way we planned. 
The marriage didn't work out like we had hoped and prayed and believed. The job situation fell through. We thought it was going to be our next promotion and our next big thing. And, and it all the bottom just fell out. I, I believed that this was going to happen in my life, but it never did. I was just hoping against all hope that this would happen. Is there anybody in the room that's ever been there before? I, I, I was just hoping. They said, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping that he was going to be the one. We just all believed, we had all bought in on this thing, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Savior. He's the one we've been praying for. He's the one we've been looking for. But now, we realize it's not him. We were hoping. The truth is, is this is just like many of us. We were hoping. But because something didn't go the way that we had planned... Now we've lost all hope. I thought it was going to work out this way, and it didn't. I had hoped. And all the while, all the while, while they're sitting here complaining, and they're sitting here uh, saying, but we had hoped, all the while, Jesus is right there with them. Jesus, the risen Savior, is literally in their presence, and they're telling the living Christ, we had hoped that he would be the one we hoped. But see, whatever we're facing in our lives, whatever that thing is that we've lost hope in, whatever that thing is that fell through at the last minute, that we, we just knew that this was what God was going to do and this was how he was going to work it all out, and it didn't happen that way. It, it's in that moment that we have to recognize that Jesus is still right there with us and that he has a perfect plan and so many times we're so caught up in our own disappointment in our own regret that we don't even recognize that it's Jesus that's walking with us right there in that moment Jesus then begins to quote prophecy of old he begins to quote the scriptures if you will he begins to quote it to them and he reminds him he reminds them that all of this was supposed to happen. This was all prophesied and it was supposed to happen exactly the way that it did. And then as they began to make their way closer to the village where they were going, they begged him. The Bible says they constrained him to stay. That There was something about him. They didn't know that it was Jesus, but there was something about him that compelled them to say, you've got to stay. We don't. We, we want to stay around you. We want to be around you. There was something about him, even though they didn't know it was him. Can I just, can I just take a, a little pause right here and say that I believe that's what God is calling all of us to do? Look, I don't have a problem with anybody that wants to stand on a street corner and pass out tracts and preach to people and, 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 and declare the word. That's a wonderful, that's a great thing if that's what God has called them to do. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think the best witness we can be is just walking beside people and loving people and letting them see the love of God in and through our lives and then feeling that and experiencing that. And then at the end of the day, they say, you know what? I don't know what it is about that guy. I don't know what it is about that woman. But I want more of what they have. They're not trying to preach to me. They're not trying to condemn me. They're not trying to sell me on their church. They're not trying to sell me on their doctrine. They're just loving me. And there's something there. There's something in their spirit. There's something in their soul. There's something about that person that I just want more of. I, I, want, I want to know more about what's going on inside their lives. I believe that's what God has called us to. I believe up to this point, 
Up to this point, Jesus hasn't even announced himself. He, they don't even know it's him, but there's something in there. There's something familiar. There is something beautiful there that they were drawn to. And the Bible says they constrained him to stay. And then we come to this moment in verse 30 as they sit down for a meal at the house. I love this. Jesus takes over at the meal. They still don't know it's him. And in verse 30 of Luke 24, it says, now it came to pass. Listen to this. This is going to sound familiar to you. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he what? He took bread. And he blessed the bread. And he broke the bread. And he gave the bread to them. Jesus was intentional because it was in that very moment. They'd been with him all day long. They'd been with him in the daylight. Now they're sitting around candlelight at a, a, a table at night and it's dark. And, but, but there was something about that moment. It was something about that experience. There was something about when Jesus took the bread and he, and he blessed it and he broke it. And he distributed it to them. There was something, they said, wait a minute, we've seen this before. We know this. I've experienced this before. And then it says in verse 31 that their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. There was something about the way he did what he did that they said, we are with the Lord. They had walked with him. They had talked with him. They had spent all day with him. But there was something about that moment at the table. There was something about the way that he handled the bread. So he took the bread and he blessed the bread. He broke it and he gave it. This is an intentional pattern that we see throughout the Bible. Just to highlight a few, there's Joseph. There's the life of Joseph. God took him. He pulled him from the place that he was and he blessed him. Joseph was blessed. He was was favored. He was chosen. He was the chosen one. But, but with being chosen, with being the one who God took, with that came a great sacrifice. With that came a great mandate on his life. And with that came some brokenness. So he was taken. He was chosen. And he was blessed. But he was also broken. He was hated by his brothers. Betrayed by his own family rejected from his family and and thrown into a pit and ultimately sold into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. He was broken. He didn't deserve that. There was nothing that he did in his life to deserve that type of punishment, that type of treatment. In fact, he was doing just the opposite. He was honoring God in all that he did. But one event after the other, other, brokenness, brokenness, brokenness. I I hope I'm not alone today. I hope I'm talking to some people in this room today that's been where I've been. And, and, And you've just been broken from time to time. You've been broken in relationship. You've been broken even in church. You've been broken in in your physical body. You've experienced brokenness in your life. Joseph was broken. Yes, he was chosen. And yes, he was picked out by God. He was taken by God. And yes, he was the blessed one. He was blessed of God. He was even favored uh, by, by, by Jacob, by Israel, of all of his sons. He favored Joseph the most. He was blessed. He had his hand, God had his hand on him. He had a plan for his life, but it, it couldn't stop there. You can't go from that place to the palace. 
He had to experience the God of the takeaway. It was important. It, was, it, was, it, it had to happen. He had to be broken. But it was all to prepare him to be the one to bring life and to preserve the house of Israel. So God took him and blessed him and broke him and then he gave him to preserve the posterity of Israel. Then there's Moses. It's Moses, same pattern. God chose him. God took him. While, while, all of the, while all the Israelite babies are being, are being, are being slaughtered, somehow Joseph, uh, Moses is, is, is escapes into the, is being able to put into the river and, and, and ultimately Pharaoh's daughter would, would, would find him and, and, and here, while all of his counterparts, all of these, all of his others are, 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 are dying, he is now being raised and trained in Pharaoh's palace. God took him and he blessed him. But then through a crazy, Sudden turn of events, Moses was broken. I don't have to rehearse the story. I don't have to tell you all that happened, but he went from being a big guy on campus in Pharaoh's house, in Pharaoh's family, to now being exiled and living in the back 40, off the grid, broken for 40 years. But it was all to prepare him to be the one to usher God's people out of bondage, and ultimately into the promised land. So God took him, and he blessed him, but then he broke him, and he gave him to be the deliverer of his people. Then there's David, King David, mighty warrior David, the psalmist David, the worshiper David, God chose him. You see the story. It's a beautiful, dramatic story. He's out in the field keeping sheep. Samuel comes to to Jesse's house and Jesse parades all the sons in front of him. One by one by one, these mighty men, these great fighters and soldiers and warriors and, 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 and men of great stature. And one by one by one by one, Samuel hears from the Lord, says, he's not the one. He's not the one. He's not the one. And he looks to Jesse and he says, is there any other sons? It's amazing how, how Jesse didn't even think of David. It, he wasn't even on the radar. He's the one keeping sheep. He's the little ruddy one out there. And he says, well, there is this one more kid of ours. I'm sure he's not the one. And when David walks through the door, he's still got the smell of sheep on him. He walks through the door, and immediately God speaks to Samuel and says, he's the one. He's the one. So God took him. He took him from the pasture. He took him from from the sheep, and he blessed him in that moment. And Samuel took that horn of oil and began to pour it and began to anoint him to be the next king of Israel. God blessed him. God blessed him. Here's the interesting thing about David. I think it's good for all of us to realize and know this. God can speak some incredible things into our life and future. God's got great plans for our future. Sometimes he'll prophesy those things into our life. Sometimes he'll reveal those things to our life. And so many times we think, okay, it's time for me to pack and run and go after what it is that's before me. But what did David do? He's been anointed to be the next king of Israel. What does he do? He turns around and he goes right back out and he keeps tending sheep. He remains faithful in what God has put in front of him. No matter how small, no matter how great. Imagine what that felt like. I'm going to be the next king, but now I'm going right back to doing what I'm called to do today. God will open that door when it's time. I'll be preparing myself. I'll be preparing my heart 
I'll, be, I'll keep playing my harp and I'll keep worshiping and I'll keep spending time with sheep, but the day is coming. But for right now, I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay consistent. I'm going to keep doing what God's called me to do. And he leaves out of Jesse's house and he goes back to keep sheep. And God blessed everything that David did. God blessed him. Everything he put his hands to, if it was a lion, if it was a bear, Goliath, God blessed him. Everything he would do, God blessed him. But before he would become the king of Israel, he would go through a season of brokenness. Before he, would, before he would rule and reign as the king of Israel, he would spend some time living in exile, hiding out in caves, literally running for his life, broken. But it was all to prepare him to be what is probably to date the greatest earthly king we've ever seen. The greatest warrior king that the world has ever known. The greatest worshiping king that's ever that's ever graced the planet. He was, he was known as a man after God's own heart. So God took David and he blessed him and he broke him and then he gave him to lead the nation of Israel into its greatest season and into its empire. And I'll close with this. Most popular text in all of Christendom, the verse of scripture that all of us can quote together today, no doubt, Christian or, or non-Christian. It's our foundational verse. It's the one we live by. It's what all of our faith is centered around. John, the third chapter, the 16th verse. For God so loved the world that he gave. His only son. That whosoever believeth on him. Should not perish. But have everlasting life. See God took his son. And he blessed him. Remember that moment? Remember that moment? When John the Baptist was, was baptizing Jesus. Holy Spirit. Descends like a dove. And this is my son. In whom I am well pleased. He blessed him. Everything he did, everything Jesus touched, it had perfection written all over it. Everything Jesus did, it, every situation he walked into, it changed the situation. Healing came, deliverance came, power was manifested, all because of the blessing that was on him, all because he was deity in flesh. He took him. He blessed him. He was blessed in all that he did. But the story doesn't end there. He was broken. He was broken. See, the story wouldn't be complete. God's pattern wouldn't be complete here if it was just, if he went out riding on a white horse as the warrior, as the, as the, as the reigning victim, victor and, and the king of all on that day. If it would happen that way that day, the story wouldn't be complete. But he was broken. And he experienced a horrific and a gruesome death on the cross. And so God gave him. He not only took him and blessed him, but he gave him for the salvation of all mankind. Isaiah records, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace, it was upon him 
And by his stripes, we are healed and we are made whole. And finally, this is what he does with us. Here's the good news. This is what he does with us. I love there was kind of this moment in in the final days of Jesus when he is expressing to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And no doubt they're looking at one another and saying, wait a minute, we thought you were the light of the world. It, It was Jesus saying to them, tag, you're it. Tag, you're it. I'm fixing to be gone from here physically. I will send my comforter. I will come again. But but meanwhile, you're the one that's going to carry this thing on. And so he takes us. He has chosen us. Aren't you thankful for that today? 1 Peter 2.9 declares this, but you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He takes us, he has chosen us, and he blesses us. I I don't care what your history is. I I don't care what your yesterday was. I don't care how much you've messed up. I don't care who your parents were, who your grandparents were. I don't care what your socioeconomic status is. I don't care what color you are. None of that matters. You are sitting here today with the blessing of God on you. He has called you, he has chosen you, he has taken you, and he has blessed you. And I'm thankful that he allows us also to be broken. To be broken. Some folks don't like that message, but I love it. I love it because I've been there. I've experienced the the breaking. I've been on that potter's wheel that we talked about last week. Whenever, when when it seems like my whole world is crumbling around, but, but I have that realization that I'm still in the hand of the potter. Though I'm marred, I'm still in his hand and that he is sculpting and he is molding. And it's in those breaking times that he's making me the perfect vessel that he wants me to be. And he's doing that in you. So I thank God for the broken seasons. I thank God for the confusing seasons. I thank God for the disappointing seasons. I thank God for the unanswered prayers in my life. I thank God for the things that I had hoped for. When I'm sitting there going down the road I'm saying, but we had hope. I thank God that I'm saying that instead of look at what just happened because it was in that time in that season that I experienced him in a way that I never would have experienced him had he done it the way I wanted him to do it. So he allows us to be broken. But listen to this. It's from our brokenness. See, I'm going to tell you something. I can't minister to people from the successes in my life. I'll just be honest. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I haven't learned much from other people through their successes. The thing I've learned from other people, how to succeed is through their failures. And how many times they messed it up and then they got back up again and they shook the dust off and they went back after it again and they fell again. 
and then they picked themselves back up again. And then they fell again, and that time they couldn't get up, but it was God who picked them up. And God began to move them and catapult them and, and, and elevate them to the place that they were supposed to be. I want to tell you something. I can't minister from my wholeness. I can't minister from my success, but I can sure minister from my brokenness. My brokenness where I've been healed, but my brokenness nonetheless. Whenever you say, I've been here, I say, I, I've been there with you. I've gone, I can go there with you. And now, now I'm on the other side of that. Now I can be a life giver. Now I can give. So God, so God, he takes us, he chose us, he called us, and then he blesses us, and then he breaks us. And from our breaking, then he's able to give us to a world that so desperately needs him. Would you stand with me today across this room? He takes us, he blesses us, he breaks us, and then he gives us. The message that I had wanted to share last Sunday was simply about us being life givers and life bringers. Everywhere that we go, that we are bringing and giving and distributing life. Everywhere that we go, can I just tell you, this is how it's done. Jesus did it. He did it every time he sat at a table. He did it every time he, he, he broke bread. He, 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 he took it and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. And that's what he's doing with us. If you're living in a broken season right now, I want to tell you something. It's not the end of the story. The book, the book is finished, but you're still living in that chapter. You haven't experienced the next chapter yet. You don't understand that it's through this chapter, it's through this season that God is equipping you. And he's doing some things in you that you can't see, that we can't see from the naked eye. But he's preparing something and he's building something inside of us. So that when we move into that next chapter, we are life givers. He can then distribute us and give us to a world in need. Father, today we're so thankful for your love. We're thankful for your faithfulness, God, in our lives. How that you're always there. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're ever present in our lives. No matter what we're facing with, no matter what our emotions or our mood tells us, Lord, we, we, are, we are established on the fact that you are with us always. God, our faith is in you and you alone. Not in our circumstances. Not in the things that's going on around us. Not in our shattered dreams or, or even our hopeful dreams, God. But you, Lord, are with us always. And Lord, today we acknowledge that you are working all things together for good. So God, we thank you for choosing us. We didn't choose you, God. You chose us. We couldn't be so arrogant to say that we came to you, God. You came to where we were. You came to us. You chose us. You took us. And you blessed us. Today, God, we're thankful for the blessing of God that's on our lives today. Oh, we could thank you all day long for the material blessings in our lives. But, God, it goes so far beyond that. We just thank you, Lord, that you are with us. Lord, that you gave your life for us, that we may have life and life everlasting, that we may have abundant life. God, you did that for us. You blessed us. And Lord, we acknowledge today that walking through this life, this life that we know here on planet Earth, God, we know that we will be broken. Brokenness is part of living. But Lord, we know that nothing is wasted with you. Nothing is wasted with you. Not a single tear that drips from our face is wasted with you. Not a single disappointment is wasted 
with you, God. Not a single uh, heartbreak in our lives is wasted with you, God, but you take it all and you use it all. And then you're able to give us away to a world that needs what we have to give, and that's you. You, God, living and working and, and giving of yourself to people that are hurting and lost and undone. Help us today, God. Help us to see you, God, in every situation, in every circumstance of our lives. And we give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. We worship the Lord together for a moment before we go today. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I'd fall apart, cause you're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. My prayer today is that none of us, as it was already said and prayed earlier today, that none of us leave out of this house today the same as we came. I pray that you go in his grace, go in his peace, go in his love this week, and be a life giver. Can we just be a life giver? Let God live through us. God bless you. Go in his name today. Amen.